morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten speaking to you from Ottawa, Canada. Um, this morning, we are going to be speaking about two Torah portions, what's known as a double portion. The names of the portion are Chukat and Balak. Chukat, uh, which means statue or uh, Laws of the Torah is found in Numbers 19, beginning with verse 2. And the second parasha named Balak refers to Balak, the king of Moab, and begins in Numbers 22, verse 2. As some of you may remember, that occasionally, due to the strange occurrences of a solar lunar calendar, in which a... uh, Extra month is needed for leap year. Uh, the Torah portion in a non-leap year needs to place uh, four to seven Torah portions together, depending on how the holidays fall, in as much if a holiday falls on Shabbat, the weekly parashah for that week is uh, pushed to the week after. Um, In this week's parasha, let me give you a synopsis before I introduce our guest and dwell and delve into the nuances of it. This week's parasha, the first one known as uh, Chukat, begins with Moses teaching the laws of the red heifer. The red heifer is an animal whose ashes purify a person primarily a priest who has been contaminated by contact with dead body. After 40 years of journeying through the desert, the people of Israel once again arrive at the wilderness of Zin. There we read of Miriam, uh, Moses' sister dying, and we're told that the people are thirsty for water. God tells Moses to speak to a rock and command it to give water. Moses then gets angry at the rebellious, stiff-necked Israelite and strikes the stone, similar to what he had done in a previous occasion. Water issues forth, but Moses is told by God that neither he nor Aaron will enter the promised land the implication being that he has not followed God's commandment and uh, struck the stone rather than speaking to it. His brother Aaron dies at Hor Harar and is succeeded in the high priesthood by his son Eleazar. We have a very strange story which speaks to venomous snakes attacking the camp after another eruption of discontent in which the people speak against God and Moses. God tells Moses to place a brass serpent upon a high pole, and all who gaze heavenward will be healed. The people sing a song in honor of a miraculous well that provided water in the desert. And this Torah portion concludes with Moses leading the people in battle against the Amorite kings Schon and Og, who seek to prevent Israel's passage through their territory on their journey to the promised land. They conquer their lands, namely the Israelites conquer the lands of Sihon and Og, 
which lies east of the Jordan River. And that is how the first Torah portion concludes. The next Torah portion is a very different kind of narrative. It begins with the Balak, the king of Moab, summoning a prophet known as Balaam to curse the people of Israel. Balaam is not offered to us in the text as an Israelite, but he has a number of interactions with God before accepting the challenge to curse the people of Israel. On his way, Balaam is berated by his donkey, who sees the angel of God standing in the middle of the path and blocks the path um, from Balaam continuing. Three times from three different vantage points, Balaam attempts to pronounce his curse upon the Israelites, each time blessings issue instead. Balaam also prophesies on the end of days and the coming of the Moshiach, the Redeemer. This Torah portion also concludes with an unusual narrative. The people fall prey to the charms of the daughters of Moab and are enticed to worship the idol Peor. When a high-ranking Israelite official publicly takes a Midianite princess into a tent, Pinchas kills them both, stopping the plague raging among the people. This are, these are two Torah portions that certainly can be discussed far beyond the time limit we have this morning. My guest this morning is Rabbi Sai Stanway, born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, serves now as rabbi at Temple Beth Miriam in Elberon, New Jersey, where he has served as senior rabbi since 1998. Previously, he served congregations in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and La Cruzis, New Mexico. And in addition to leading the congregation, he is active in the general community and the extended community. He, ha- he is an amateur radio operator, and he is an outstanding teacher of Torah. So it's a pleasure to welcome back to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, Rabbi Sai Stanway. Rabbi Stanway, how are you this morning? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Steve. Good. Um, So as you heard in our introduction, we have lots to talk about um, this morning. And though there is so much that we could look at, I did want to begin the conversation with asking you about your take on this very unusual circumstance in which um, God asked Moses to speak to a rock. Uh, Moses, as the text tells us, is angry at the Jewish people and in his anger strikes the rock. And therefore, God um, responds to Moses' anger with uh, anger of his own and um, forbids Moses to enter the promised land. Uh, Neither he nor Aaron will uh, reach the promised land. And so I guess the first question is, given all that he's done, all that he's suffered through, how do we understand this notion of one simple mistake 
um, leading to this extreme punishment? You know, that is the question that this Torah portion elevates. It is so, or seems so fundamentally unfair that um, we are left to stand back from the Torah portion bewildered. And we ought to be bewildered because it doesn't seem to make any sense. So there are actually two explanations that I would like to offer. One, which is from a critical reading of, uh, of Torah, um, and one which is um, uh, a little more um, midrashic. So the, the original, the, the, my, my, first, my first response um, that I share with my, my students, especially my adult students, is that the Torah already knows, uh, that Moses is not suited to be a leader once they cross the Jordan River. He doesn't have those skills. In order to cross the Jordan River, we need the skills of Joshua. Joshua, a general. Joshua, who knows strategy and tactics, especially as is uh, evidenced by uh, uh, when he goes to the home of Rahab. In the, in the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. Right. There's kind of a retelling. Uh, last week's Torah portion was about the 12 st- spies. Precisely. And this is a retelling of it um, with Joshua, the hero again, but on the precipice of conquering Jericho. Precisely. So the Torah already knows that Moses is not suited to be that general. And so it grabbed onto a tradition, um, and we don't know, maybe modified the tradition a little bit to give a reason why perhaps Moses was not permitted to go into the land of Israel. Moses is a very special kind of leader, as we all know. Moses is is the CEO of a nation that just got out of slavery, you know, 40 years before. He is not trained to be a scout. He's not trained to be a military man. That's That's for Joshua. And so... When the tradition says, okay, we'll find something that puts Moses and doesn't permit Moses to go into the land of Israel, the, um, uh, the, the, the text keeps in on that. The, the, the problem with doing that, of course, is that it raises exactly the questions that you asked. It doesn't seem fair. So let's go to a second explanation, which is a little more midrashic, a little more fanciful homiletical homiletical if the first uh, analysis is kind of um textual mm-hmm. namely um moses was a man of faith who could lead the israelites out of egypt um and their journey as it is said in the text was uh, let my people go so that they may serve their god moses you suggest is the man who can do that the man of faith but they're going to need a different leader. Now we're to the more homiletical interpretation. Right. 
And the more homiletical interpretation that I would like to offer and that, that I would even uh, offer uh, as uh, in a sermon, perhaps, <laughs> is, is, is the following. Not every leader is suited to be a leader. And in those times when a leader needs to, um, to excel at something, not every leader can excel at something. And some people who are leaders make very serious mistakes sometimes. And Moses's very serious mistake for which he is faulted because he has a much higher standard to, to deal with. His, his higher standard is you do what God said and don't deviate to the left or the right. And so what he's got is, is a, a command to speak to the rock. And instead of speaking to the rock, he hits the rock twice. So not only did he disobey God, he disobeyed God's direct command with anger and frustration. And we need to step back and ask, why is that? And the, the homiletical answer is perhaps Moses was, was uh, uh, expected to have a much higher standard um, than Joe Israelite. Um, and in fact, I like that homiletic answer um, for a variety of reasons, and that is that we have to uh, watch our own standards. What is expected of us? What do our uh, what do our congregants expect of us? What do our work uh, colleagues expect from us? Um, and it, 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 it's not confined to, you know, to being a leader or to being a CEO. It's also in, in our everyday lives. How do we talk to the person at Starbucks? Or if you're from Toronto, you know, uh, Tim Hortons, you know, how, how do we, how do we speak to these people? I mean, do we, do we, barge in and say, I'm the customer and this is what you owe me? Or are we polite? Are we uh, a little a little more reserved? Um, when somebody criticizes us, do we, do we lash back or are we a little more circumspect? These are the kinds of lessons uh, that this Torah portion can teach us from a homiletical point of view. And that's why I like this, the, 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 the homiletics more than I like the uh, the, 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 uh, the critical reading of the text. So if we leave the critical reading alone for a moment mm -hmm. and focus on the homiletics, we have this um, interesting lesson from Torah, which says that people who are appointed or self-appointed uh, leaders of a community have to be held to a standard of ethical behavior that um, supersedes um, all their other responsibilities. Uh, because Moses has led the people to this point, and he has been successful, and he has crossed the Red Sea, um, and he has dealt with the complaints of the people, um, I'll beat, I'll bite with God's support and God's help, but they have made it this far. 
and they right. survived the episode of the golden calf Barely. and they and they survived the episode of the amalekites um and at each point um he has been um, the focal point of leadership. But now as they get to the end of their journey, um, the question is, um, has everything you've done in the past um, obviated what your responsibilities are? And I suppose we see that in life all the time. Indeed we do. It, indeed we do. Um, there, there was a great passage, I think it's from the book of Isaiah, um, uh, that said, uh, uh, you know, th th that, that we are charged to do, um, uh, when we make a promise, we are the, we, we must never retract that promise. We can't get out of it. Well, you know, I, 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 I was busy that day. Um, and, uh, you know, come what may do not retract. Uh, I think that's the, that's the, uh, translation of the verse. Um, you know, we see what leaders can do. We see the damage they can do. Down in the United States, uh, and probably in Canada, there are religious leaders that are to their congregants abusive, um, even to the point of sexually abusive or manipulative. And the the rabbi, the minister, the priest, the imam that uses their authority in what is now called the power dynamic um, is, is, is doing exactly the opposite of what a leader needs to be doing. You know, rabbis uh, hear all sorts of things. Right. And, uh, Steve, you and I live on the, uh, Jersey, you lived on the Jersey shore and, you know, we've, we spent time at the beach and what the people do at the beach, they gossip. That, that's what they do. They talk about everybody else at the beach and they talk about people in the, uh, uh you know, in the community or in the congregation or whatever. This is sometimes what they do. And how do we extricate ourselves from that? How do we put, how do we encourage people to stop that? Because it's destructive, not to mention uh, that it could be wrong. We are lousy leaders and don't fit up to the standards that we even say we, that, that, that we attain. And I think if you gave a, a, a survey to people, they would say that they, that, that most people would say that they are, you know, well, well, you know, well healed, <laughs> uh, in, 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 uh, in ethics that they are, that they know what to do, that they don't gossip, um, that, um, uh, they're, they're, they're always, uh, uh, people of integrity. And we know that that's not the case. Do people make mistakes? Of course people make mistakes, but there's a difference between a mistake and an intentional uh, abuse of one's power and one's authority. And we see that all the time. And the, the danger that I see, um, is that, um, uh, if people associate, uh, for instance, religious leaders 
with the with the leaders that are abusive or the leaders that are hypocrites they will paint the they, they will paint the canvas with all um uh, uh uh ministers rabbis whatever as hypocrites which is not true i suppose what you're saying is um many people are angry at the vatican for not acting expeditiously when told about um, inappropriate behavior on the part of priests, um, and they hold the Vatican, given the position the Vatican uh, presents itself as a spokesperson for God, to a higher uh, level of accountability. People uh, hold rabbis and other clergy to higher levels of behavior, ethical behavior, because they present themselves as the guarantee or the guarantors and the guardians of ethics. Right. And so when a rabbi walks into a room or a minister or a priest, anybody like that. And I, I guess this isn't the intro to a, a joke when a rabbi and a minister. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. A rabbi, a priest and a minister walk into a room. No. Uh, when, 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 when somebody with authority walks into the room, you have already given a great deal of authority to that person. And you already have unconscious or pre-conscious expectations of what that person is and isn't. And I find it interesting. And uh, while you were an active congregational rabbi, Steve, you, you may have found this. How many people have told us while we are talking with them that um, how many people have, 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 uh, um, suggested or said, you know, you're not going to tell anybody about our conversation, are you? Right. Right. And, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's a little doubt. I mean, I don't know 50 years ago, if anybody would have said that to Rabbi Plout, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was just, it was assumed that, that, that it would never happen. But now I think people are a little more, uh, uh, suspect. I think they're a little more suspicious and, and, uh, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're still not sure. Um, this is why somebody with integrity, um, is go, is, it will always outlast somebody who does a great service, is great with the kids and can sing and play guitar. Um, but, um, falls on the wrong side of some ethical behavior. Well said on the wrong side of some ethical behavior. So we have this Torah portion, which says that Moses um, needs to be held to this high level of um, standards and that reward and punishment, because it certainly seems to speak of that, um, is dependent on your behavior at every moment in your life. Right. And, and it's also, it, it's also a way of reminding us, um, that our actions have consequences. Moses's punishment to not get into the, uh, the, the, the land of Israel, um, was, was that he, um, was, was, I, I think it was so over the top it, I, from our point of view. Not from the Torah's point of view or from God's point of view. Ah, and that's an important point we should emphasize. From the Torah's point of view, this is totally appropriate. 
And it's appropriate to remember that God asked Moses back at the burning bush to act as his spokesperson um, and to serve God. And the moment that Moses stopped serving God, there was nothing inherently wonderful about Moses or divine. He was simply a servant of God. It's really interesting, too, because the Midrash, I haven't thought about this Midrash for a long time. I think it comes from Midrash Tanhuma. Has Moses, just as he is about to die, saying to God, listen, let's make a deal. Let me just walk over the Jordan River. Let, let's, let's, let me just, let me just say that it, 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 it's done. And God is saying to Moses, look at, look at how much you've accomplished. You know, don't be greedy. And we know that you're disappointed, but you know, just because you're disappointed once, maybe even frustrated, maybe even angry, you know, it doesn't mean that your life was meaningless. I'm working on my high holiday sermons. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I came across a story about Buzz Aldrin that I never knew, and it blew my socks off. And here's the story. So for those who don't remember, Buzz Aldrin was one of the um, original uh, astronauts. On Apollo 11. On Apollo 11. Right. So Buzz Aldrin is, from, from a very young age, dreamt of walking on the moon. That was his dream. And uh, uh, he wanted to be the first person on the moon. Okay? His footprint, he dreamt of this. His, he obsessed about this. He, he, he was a Navy, I think he was a Navy flyer. He was a trained astronaut. Every waking moment that he could dream, he dreamt of walking down the ladder and putting his footprint on the moon. And then what happened? Neil Armstrong became that person that Buzz Aldrin wanted to be. Buzz Aldrin was very angry, very frustrated, very disappointed, and spent a good part of the rest of his life drinking himself to death. It's a great uh, reminder of how when we set goals for ourselves, we also have to recognize that sometimes we're not totally in control of those goals. Right. You know, we all have our dreams and our disappointments. You know, I would have loved to have had a voice like Sheldon Merrill, our cantor. Okay? That, 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 I would have been a cantor before a rabbi any day. We find ourselves, as I said at the beginning, having um, spent all of our time talking about one little sentence. Right. And there's so much more in our parasha. I want to thank my guest, Rabbi Sai Stanway of Temple Beth Miriam, Elberon, New Jersey. Thank you, Steve. For sharing uh, insights about Moses and this uh, challenging portion. You can listen to our show on CHRI 99.1 FM or as a podcast on the chri.ca website, or you could download it as a podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Um, for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten saying thank you to our guests, and shalom, and have a good day. <laughs>